0: TheWellnessCoach.com, streaming wellness into your
1: lives.
2: Welcome to The Wellness Guys Show with wellness experts, Dr. Lawrence
0: Tam, Dr. Damien Kristoff, and Dr. Brett Hill.
2: Welcome to The Wellness Guys Show, a weekly show dedicated to bringing wellness into your lives. I'm Damien Kristoff. And I'm Brett Hill. And we're without Lawrence. He's traveling somewhere around the world, somewhere business class, maybe first class, somewhere A380, maybe. What do you reckon, brett
0: yeah, I'm I'm not going to pay out Lawrence too much this time because I'm kind of just come back. I've You've missed just a come couple back. of episodes, <laughs> so I'm true. feeling a bit I'm feeling a bit self-conscious about my Lawrence payouts today because yeah. I feel like I can't talk. Fair enough, and I'm late. off to
2: I'm off to Korea for the Longevity Tour in a couple of weeks' time. So uh, you oh, guys will be flying solo.
0: Yes, but going to be amazing. I oh,
2: know, right? For those of you who missed out, it's a shame you missed out. But uh, we've had a good time. We will have had a good time. But we are interviewing a very special guest. He's been on the Wellness Guys before. Um, and today we're welcoming back Steve Eddy. But we're talking about the immune system today, Breto. There's a lot of things that people are doing with their immune system at this time of the year. Colds and flus are running rampant. They can go and pay six bucks, go down to Chemist Warehouse and get themselves a flu shot if they want. But we want to do things more naturally, don't we, Breto?
0: Love to do things naturally, don't they? Yes. So
2: Steve Eddy is um, is the former uh, CEO and principal of Health Schools Australia. He's now working with Australis College up in Queensland and uh, and today he joins us to talk about all things immunity. Steve, welcome to the call. <laughs>
1: Yes, yes. Uh, Welcome. And I'm not travelling anywhere, first class, business class or anything. I've got to go for a a TGA meeting in Sydney tomorrow, but that's the extent of my travel. Not very exciting.
2: Well, that sounds exciting, meeting the TGA. That must make you very
1: excited. It's a monthly meeting where we talk about products and all sorts of stuff. So it's absolutely thrilling. (laughs) <laughs> I bet. He says with sarcasm.
2: <laughs> I bet. Oh Steve, it's great to have you back on the call again mate. Um you've had a massive influence over the last 25 years or so in the industry in the natural medicine industry. And, uh, and I thought it'd be a great opportunity for us to talk about the immune system, particularly this time of the year as, you know, we're rolling to winter in Australia um, and further down here in the lower parts of the Southern Hemisphere in Melbourne and Adelaide, um, we tend to see flus and colds more regularly than what you do up in the northern parts of the Southern Hemisphere, up in Queensland. So I thought it'd be great to ask you more about that. And uh, and why don't we just start by looking at some of the different types of products that uh, people could take for colds and flus? Um sure maybe after discussing, you know, what are the things that people can get? Can they get bacterial infections or viral inflections? And and how do they know which is which? So maybe just talk us through what can happen to the body at this time of the year.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, Being from Melbourne myself, I have experience with cold weather. I lived there for the first 22 years. But what can happen this time of year is that firstly, the first thing we notice is the temperature drops. So, So a lot of people tend to stay indoors and tend to put heaters on closed windows so if there is an infection going around whether it be viral or bacteria it can spread more because there's less windows open less people outdoors and also if you're outdoors less you're typically in winter getting less sunshine so your vitamin d levels drop and that can cause can suppress your immune system but one thing that can really um, make it um, easy for the body to catch a flu or virus is the physical drop in temperature because when you breathe Um, air into your lungs it actually temporarily drops the temperature of your lungs a bit and that actually stimulates microbial growth particularly viral replication so there's three basic methods you can get a cold from winter
0: and are we seeing more of it steve i mean it it seems to be that um you know a bit of cold air should be something that you know if our bodies were functioning as well as they possibly could be it seems that a bit of cold air should be something we would be able to deal with you know that should be something that our body can cope with And deal with and move on Um, but but my suspicion is that because of our lifestyles because of perhaps the way we eat the way we think the way we move that we're not as robust as we should be and so things like cold air and can have a bigger impact on us than perhaps they otherwise should is that fair
1: Oh, it's absolutely true. And and you hit the nail on the head where we should be able to cope with this. We should be able to cope with going up a few flights of stairs. A lot of people can't do that in our society. It's just simply we're just not healthy enough. We we, we don't look after ourselves enough. Now, you know, I just take case in point of myself. I mean, I went for a run this morning. I got up at 4.30, which was great, and it was cool out, but I didn't get a flu from that, and I run all through winter. And it's simply because of my body's at, a, at an area of health that I – don't easily pick up infections so you can certainly work towards becoming healthier you mentioned stress stress suppresses the immune system as well so anything bad for you will also have a negative impact on your immune system and make you more susceptible to a cold or virus
2: Steve um obviously you mentioned the word stress as well and Fredo did as well um stress is a part of life that we can't avoid avoid So we definitely find that, you know, work, people are working long hours. Yep, the sun's setting at different times of the day, so low levels of vitamin D. Um, They're anxious when they're driving home. They get home and they're under pressure. There's financial pressures. There's all kinds of different types of stressors and stresses that people actually experience. are, Are there many strategies that you know of that people could employ that may help reduce the effect of stress on their body that could then also at the same time boost their immune system?
1: absolutely and that's the and and again you've 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 named it correctly it's it's the stresses that get to our body now what we can do is is there's some stresses we can't control like unless somebody wants to come and pay my mortgage off you know i'm always going to have mortgage stress i'm going to have financial stress unless someone gives me millions of dollars we can't avoid that i mean we really it's largely out of our control but what we can control Is what goes in our mouth and what our body does so we can certainly eat a lot more healthy we can eat a lot more vegetables fruits salads nuts seeds legumes healthy foods and do healthy things for our body get up go for that walk go to the gym exercise do something that will keep your immune system as well as your general health a lot better off take supplements to improve your health so you don't get the cold in the first place that i'm a big one on prevention
0: so let's talk about some of those, some of those foods, perhaps, Stephen. Perhaps you could you could give us a list of maybe your top five foods that you think would be great for boosting your immune system, but maybe then also some foods that that, that are immunosuppressant as well.
1: Sure. Uh, well let's start with the ones that are the, the, the good things, the ones that boost your immune system. And the ones that boost your immune system are typically your fresh fruits, salads, and vegetables. These are the things that you should be basing your diet on. They're loads with nutrients, yes, vitamin C but also other potent antioxidant nutrients and vitamin A's and beta-carotenes, all these things that help boost the immune system. The second thing I'd incorporate into your body is things like nuts and seeds. Nuts and seeds are high in minerals, and those minerals tend to boost the immune system. A classic one we've talked about is zinc. Um, The third thing we can do is make sure we're getting enough protein in our body because our immune system is made from proteins after all. So there's certainly things we can do. The fourth thing we can do is have some sort of healthy therapeutic teas. So there are lots of teas that can help with the immune system as well. Um, Echinacea tea is probably one that that a lot of people know, um, but there's lots of other teas that can improve the immune system. Green tea is is another classic one that helps the immune system. And probably my fifth favourite food for boosting the immune system, ironically, is eggs because of the astaxanthin and protein in the eggs. That's the colouring of the yolk um that can help the immune system so there's five of the classic foods that can help boost the immune system and you can also incorporate them in together so for example your breakfast you could have an omelet and you could cut up uh, lots of uh capsicums like red capsicum is very high in vitamin c have a omelet for breakfast a lunch, have a big salad with some uh chicken or smoked salmon in it for dinner get get some veggies and protein and, um, you know, eat that, particularly the green vegetables, particularly the vegetables that grow above the ground because they have to produce their own antioxidants to pre- protect themselves from eight to 10 hours of sunlight a day. So that's a good rule of thumb. Now, then we get on to the, the bad ones, which are the foods that also suppress the immune system. And One of the, 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 the things that suppress the immune system, are of course, junk foods. But let's be more specific. The foods that are very high in sugar or foods that turn into sugar in the body. Uh, sugar is a is a, is a bad suppressor of the immune system. So we're talking refined carbohydrates there, like uh, you know refined grains and those sorts of foods that are, that are bad for our immune system. Other things that are bad for our immune system are milks um, from a cow because the proteins in that can cause allergies. And you know we, we we in my day when I was trained, it was a mucus producing food, but it doesn't directly produce mucus. It just stimulates the parts of the immune system that cause mucus. So The end is the same. Another bad food for us is, of course, um, uh, like bad fats, like trans fats from margarines and and those sorts of refined foods. They're they're quite bad for our immune system. Other foods that stress the body out uh, immensely are foods that the body are are not supposed to eat. So I mentioned grains before, but any sort of highly heavily processed food is bad, even if it's like a whole grain muffin, simply because if you're eating a muffin for morning tea, you're not eating a healthy food that stimulates the immune system. Mm. What about so rice, that, that's what the, about
2: rice or quinoa or those sorts of things, Steve? Yeah.
1: Well well they're all right. I mean, rice itself, if it's um, you know, a brown rice it, it has some good things in it that can help you. you don't want to eat too much of it. Quinoa is a seed that's high in nutrients. And if you're lean and exercising, you can certainly consume those things. If you're overweight, you want to be careful of eating too many carbohydrates because it all ends up as sugar and if you're not burning the sugar off unfortunately the sugar can turn into uh, fats in the body so it all comes down to a dose dependent manner if you have a big bowl of rice every night you know that mightn't be so good but if you have it every now and again it's fine if you're lean and exercising
0: nice hey and what about honey Stephen? because i'm really curious you mentioned sugar obviously but obviously honey has some antibacterial problems as well so you know where's the balance there you know is a little bit okay is too much not so good What about honey?
1: Yeah, honey's great because it contains antimicrobial agents in it, propolis, which is a classic one. So if you've got a sore throat, for example, you can have a honey lemon drink and these sorts of things, and that's actually okay because that's only about four to five grams of sugar, which is not a lot of sugar for the the body to consume. So, yes, you can take it while you've got a flu, but you don't want to be having, like most people when you say you can have honey, guess what they do? They go and put it on their toast, and um, that's a double whammy. So if you're having in it a healthy tea, fine but if you're spreading it all over your toast every morning that can be problematic so and obviously the d- quality d- d- of it
0: the quality of it makes a big difference doesn't it with honey like if it's all oh, heated absolutely. and denatured and you've lost all those benefits then you're not going to get the benefit of, of a you know good quality raw you know perhaps manuka honey or something like that manuka i don't yeah, know how absolutely. to say that
1: yeah that's right you've got it right and and that that's the right sort of attitude to all foods the less you know we we, we used to talk about gi in the olden days, glycemic index. And then we now talk about HI, which is human interference. So the less human interference on a food, the better, because what humans tend to do to foods is they make them more palatable and cheaper, which is never a good thing because you're taking away a lot of the the natural stuff. So absolutely those organic, wonderful honeys that you talk about are absolutely fine to have, particularly when you've got a cold. They're very good to, you know, suck on the honey lozenges and also just have a spoonful of honey in your tea. Very good
2: sounds good to me i'm loving that i love my lemon juice my hot lemon juice with hot water and honey it's uh it's a kicker i love that Mm. now steve um exercise is something that people love to do um Mm. we've known in the past that exercise can affect the immune system both positively and negatively um you mentioned you went out this morning and went for a run now i reckon if i did that my toes might have been close to freezing off it's pretty cold here this morning um but how much exercise or how, how does somebody know whether not they're pushing it too hard to suppress their immune system, particularly this time of the year?
1: Yeah, yeah, that that's that's a good point. The, the, if, if you over-exercise, it can suppress your immune system. When I used to work with a lot of the athletes, uh, some that are in the news right now, um, actually, um, you know, if they overdid it, and we're talking about Olympians here, um, they would be prone to colds and flus. So you've got to really be careful on the amount of exercise you do. Now, how much you do depends on how healthy you are. Like, you know, I ran for an hour, just over an hour this morning. That's fine for me because I'm trained and I'm used to it. And I'll go for a swim this afternoon. So that's fine because my body's used to that and I do it every day. But if you're not used to it, it may be a lot less. So it depends on your health and fitness. But as a general rule of thumb, it's probably one of the only government recommendations that I agree with about half an hour of moderate to intense exercise a daily is fine. So if you live happen to live in Victoria like you guys do, then you, instead of going for the run in the morning, which, you know, this morning was only about 18 degrees, it wasn't that cold, um, but in Melbourne it might have been, you know, you might have been better off going to a heated pool for a swim or going to a gym or going to, a you know, some sort of, um, you know, CrossFit class or something like that. But it's really about stressing your body out, giving your body a, a mild to moderate stress so as your body can recover and get ready for it next time. It's not stressing your body to complete exhaustion. That'll make you sick. But certainly, you know, they say about 80% of your maximal heart rate is what you should be aiming for.
0: Well, Stephen, you've just increased my stress response by calling me a Victorian. So I love it. I uh, loved the, actually thought that's pretty good. I, I've gone, Oh, good, devastating, devastating.
2: Oh, oh, we, we would let you in oh, Victoria with that accent anyway, mate. So don't worry about it.
1: Yeah, mate. I, I, I was born. I was born in Sandringham. So you oh, know, i I lived there for 22 years. Oh well,
2: there my practice know. is in Abbott street in
0: Sandringham. That's it. I'm in. I'm in Sandringham. I'm a Sandy boy. Love it. There oh, go. there you go. Don't love me. In with you, too. That's fine. Um, but. <laughs> When it comes to stress, Stephen, you know, if we want to make an impact on the stress in our body, what are some simple tips and strategies we can use to just to de-stress that, that are going to, you know, I guess the question is, how much is enough in a, in terms of making a difference to your immune
1: system? Yeah, yeah, stress is a, a bad thing. The, the human body is designed to have acute stresses, like when I say acute stress, stresses, half to one hour of stress. For example, let's go back—I don't know—three billion years, three million years. Sorry, getting a bit excited where we weren't the apex predator we were we, we could have been hunted and gathered on African plain as we were you know we evolved from an Australopithecus uh, species then we're designed to have short-term stress the body's used to that we're used to being chased or chasing down something so a short-term stress is good the problem with today's stresses is they last for 24 hours a day like you could have um, financial stress well that doesn't go away that does that doesn't stop at six o'clock at night that's on your mind twenty four seven you could be in a crappy relationship you know you could be under stress due to a certain environmental thing um so that goes twenty four seven the body's not used to that we we never had a mortgage on the cave we never had you know these long-term stresses and they're the things that really get to us so they're the things we've got to curb now how do we cope with that obviously as i said before you can't cure it a lot of the time you can't just a million dollars and pay off your debt but what you can do is use techniques that help reduce stress so exercise is actually a great anti-stress thing so first thing in the morning getting up doing your exercise getting out of the way in the afternoon maybe some quiet time meditation reading a book I find is very useful um, any of those things that can sort of take your mind off the day's stresses because if you even if you've got financial stress stressing about it at night particularly will not help you at all. So you may as well kind of try and switch off to that by, you know, doing some yoga, doing some meditation, something de-stressing like that. I think that's very important.
0: Yeah. And, you know, Stephen, the the reason exercise helps you de-stress is the messages that go back to your brain, uh, the proprioceptive messages back to your brain when you move your body. And because 80% of that comes from your spine, then having a great chiropractor and making sure your spine is functioning well really helps with that. So you know, us being chiropractors, we just need to throw that in there and here, let everyone here, know here, that here. having a good functioning spine is important too. But what I wanted to ask you, Stephen, was about sleep. And so mm. um, you know, how much is enough in terms of looking after your immune system particularly? How much, how much sleep do we need a night and how do we make sure we're getting it?
1: Yeah, great question. That, that depends on the study you read. They all say seven to eight hours a day. Um, that's, that's the classic sleep thing. But the important thing about sleep that a lot of people don't realize is that if you go to bed before midnight, that's the best quality sleep you can have. So the body is supposed to go to sleep at about, you know, eight at night at night. Cause you've got to remember when we evolved, we didn't have TVs or iPads, iPhones, we you know, we, we sat around a fire, cooked dinner and kind of went to sleep. So that's what we've been genetically programmed to do, And even up until fairly recent, you know, 60, 70 years, we didn't have a lot of late night activities. You know, TV's only been around less than 100 years. And um, so we didn't have these late nights. So it's a, it's a recent thing, this 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 internet thing and the, the, the Wi-Fi's and computers, they're very recent. So if you can get out of that um, habit of doing the wrong thing and doing what's good for your body, going to sleep earlier. So like a good sleep might be from nine till five. You know, if you think about it, as so I say, think think of the working day, nine till five, they're the hours of sleep that would be great to have at night, 9 p.m. till five at night. And people say to me, well, I'm wide awake at nine o'clock. Well, it takes a while to get into that sort of habit. But if you start waking up a bit earlier each day, you'll start to be a bit tired and then you go to sleep a bit earlier at night. And that's how you reprogram your body to do that because there's really nothing productive you do after nine o'clock at night. You know, and sleeping is one of the best things. So about seven to eight hours, but if you can go to sleep at nine o'clock that'd be terrific.
2: I'm liking it. I'm liking it. Now, Steve, there's um you know, over, over many years, there's been plenty of different types of supplements that people have used to assist their immune system. Um, the most common one that we're aware of, obviously, is vitamin C. We know that comes in oranges and lemons and mandarins and strawberries and all those sorts of things. Um, is vitamin C still one of the best things to use?
1: It is cu- acutely. Let, let's just assume you've, you've, you're starting to feel sick. You know, you're getting those classic things that the sore throats or whatever you get that, that you just know something's coming on dart in get some vitamin c even if it's that chewable stuff um just get vitamin c in your level in your body very very quickly and it's funny my, my partner's father is a general practitioner and uh he was he's now doing something a bit different but for he was a general practitioner for 40 years now can you imagine how many colds and flus he's seen and he's been through all antibiotics and all sort of he says the best thing for a cold is vitamin c <laughs> he says he just gets about That's five so or six good. grams of that a day yeah and it's it's great that that 40 years experience of seeing you know 100 patients a day or whatever it was you know it's it's an incredible experience you know it's probably like you guys when you you know you're treating people's necks and backs you see so many mm. that it just becomes you you know what's good for that particular person so actually vitamin c is wonderful
2: Ah, oh, that's great to hear. I mean, so many people would get it. I mean, there's many different forms of vitamin C, and my understanding um, of vitamin C is to try and take a uh, a non-acidic form of vitamin C. Could could you use that language? Would that be right, Steve?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's called buffered vitamin C, and and what it means is instead of it being ascorbic acid, which is acid, you take calcium ascorbate, or magnesium ascorbate, potassium ascorbate, or even sodium ascorbate. Sodium is salt, so. You don't want to have too much of that so if you're having loads of it you may want to get another type of buffered vitamin c so yeah absolutely that's that's the best type of vitamin c to take
2: now steve i was actually waiting for brett then he didn't come in but uh no <laughs> that's all good obviously we've also seen uh the rise and fall or well, not really the fall but I, I suppose there was a period of time where we used heaps of echinacea everyone was using echinacea mm. for you know w- whether it be a bacterial infection a viral infection um mm. a runny nose hay fever whatever they just just you know called on echinacea is echinacea any good and when would you use it if it is any good
1: it is it is good it still is good it's got a lot of research behind it. it's very good you'd use it when you again like the vitamin c starting to get a a cold and flu you just high dose it then and and the reason why it's good for um you know bacterial or viral infections is because it doesn't actually kill bacterial viruses it just stimulates the immune system so the immune system can go and kill the Viruses and bacteria in the body, and that's how a lot of natural medicines work. There's not many um, agents that you take that are toxic to bacteria, like you know, antibiotics are, or viruses, like the antivirals are. So, what we're mostly about is boosting the immune system so the immune system can adapt and kill whatever's invading us.
0: All right, Stephen, Damien's asked me to ask you two questions here, and so because sure. Damien's the guru around supplements, and so he's yeah. asked me to, to ask you about these because. He knows that I don't know how to pronounce them. So okay. I want to ask you about... And Lawrence isn't here, Andro- so we had
2: to pick on you, right?
1: So,
0: Andrographis and astragalus.
1: Yeah, andrographis and astragalus, they're both immune-stimulating herbs, and they're both used particularly for chronic infections. This is the classic indication for them. So echinacea are acute, those ones are more for chronic immune disorder. So if you've got a lingering cold and flu and you're always sick, you can take those things long-term to prevent yourself getting sick as well. So they're good ones to take long-term.
0: That's what I thought, Damien. (laughs)
1: Excellent, brother. Well done. Well pronounced too, by the way. You did a good job
2: there. Uh, Lucky I didn't give you the word Echinechia because you might have mucked that one up. But um, uh, Steve, uh, for those of you who know what Echinechia is, you'll you'll realise what I'm talking about there. But Steve, with regards to um, some of the... I suppose, more modern-day um, supplements mm-hmm. that we might be taking. Manuka honey has been one of those ones that's actually popped up, and that's yeah. very exciting. I really love manuka honey. I recommend it a lot to people. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It, there's different types of manuka honey. Uh, there's different grades of manuka honey. Can you just tell us a little bit about manuka
1: honey? Sure. That That's one of the exceptions to those rules that like I said before. That's directly antimicrobial. So, you know, honey is one of the foods that, that rarely... Don't they, they don't go off because they are so antimicrobial that if a microbe tries to grow in this medium of honey, it gets killed off. So it's actually one of those, that's why it's very good to suck on honey or drink honey because as it goes down the throat and it, it, it comes in contact with your pharynx, which is obviously in the back of your throat there where a lot of people get pharyngitis, where they get an infection there, it actually cytotoxically, which means when it comes in contact with it, it kills it like an, like an antibiotic does. So, and the grades you can get, there's multiple different grades, get the most unrefined one you can because the closest to nature, the better.
0: All right. So the other one we wanted to ask you about, Stephen, was olive leaf extract. I've heard so mm. much about this in recent times. It's, it's not yeah. one I've tried myself. Damien says he's sending me some to try and I'm going to check it out. Tell us about olive leaf extract. How did I want to know how people came about discovering olive leaf extract. It seems like a weird thing to even try eating.
1: Well, absolutely. It, it, it's been tested in university, so it, it works very well. Uh, it's been traditionally used, um, you know, to support the immune system. So it's one of those ones that have been used for, for multiple years. And, and where it all started from, nobody really knows. I mean, how they discovered some of this stuff is amazing, you know. <laughs> it's just incredible. I, I, I just uh, absolutely, I know. But, but, but what's the, the key about olive leaf extract is try to get the freshly picked olive leaf extract, And that's the one that's been used for cold, flu, sore throats and UTIs or upper respiratory tract infections and those sorts of things. And the reason why it's so good is because it's very rich in antioxidants, um, which helps quench the free radicals, reduces inflammation and very much helps with the immune system. So it's very, very good to take when you've got a flu, uh, but make sure it's the fresh picked one because that's got all the potency, all the antioxidants in it. So
0: can you make it? Like, can you, like, boil up olive leaves and, I don't know, drink it? Or is it something oh. – how do they
1: extract it? Look, you can just buy it off the shelf these days. Um, you can get it – there's 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 a, a company called Convita, which is a, a great one that I use for people with, with um, you know, who have got those sorts of – you know, because when it comes to making all these things, you know, I used to make them years ago. When you're sick, you don't feel like making them. <laughs> so, so you can get, um, you know, you can just buy these off the shelf. But yes, you can make them yourself. You can freshly press the liquid and all that sort of stuff. Um, it's if you've got all that equipment, go for it. Um, but yeah, you know, I'd just get some off the shelf. Absolutely.
2: It's great, mate. So um, some people will think, oh, surely the leaf is the same as the fruit but uh and so they're just going to eat heaps of mm. olives but it's that's not the case is it is there a particular chemical that uh that's in it because i'm fascinated by it i think it's such a great thing and is it something that you use with viral or something that you use with bacterial or do you, are you just kind of just using it just generally to boost your whole immune system
1: it boosts the whole immune system like and, both um, for bacterial
2: and viral infections does it
1: yeah, absolutely, because it boosts the immune system, the T-alpha-1 side of the immune system. We need to oh, go yeah. into that, but the, yeah. that's the side of the immune system that attacks bugs, so it boosts that side. And if you want to know the chemical, you've got a penile, I'll spell it for you, O-L-E-U-R-O-P-E-N, P-E-I-N, actually. <laughs> oh, yeah, which is, it's, it's a polyphenol that's found in these, these leaves. Now... The reason why the leaves are, and I I don't want to go too deep into this, but the reason why the leaves are so good compared to the fruit, if you can imagine the shape of a leaf, it's very exposed to the environment. So the way that the leaves actually survive is they produce a lot of antioxidants to protect them from the 8 to 10 hours of sunlight that are hitting this broad leaf. So the, the fruit is more compacted and round, if you know what I mean by that. So that's why the leaf is such a potent part for boosting the immune system.
2: Steve, um, just before we finish off, um, there's mm-hmm. Comvita, which is a great company, and, and we sell yeah. um, we sell the olive leaf extract from Comvita in our practice as well. So, and and we've got um, um, manuka honey in our practice as well. So, we we love these particular products. Um, is Medi honey the same as manuka honey?
1: Yeah, it can be used like that. I mean, absolutely, they're, they're both very good ones. You know, you can get olive leaf with um, with um, manuka honey in it so the same, you can combine really, them both together cheapest. that's pretty good that's like double dose. yeah it's amazing you can get them in liquid form so it's a, it's a good one for for you know because i mean you know when, when it comes to making all these things you can make them or when you've got the cold or flu you just want to grab it off the shelf and you know go and get it you know they get it from health practitioners like yourselves or a pharmacy that's that's great you know just so as you know, you don't have to worry about making it and taking many things because, you know, when you're sick, you don't feel like it. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> I don't know anyway.
2: right. exactly... Now, um, just before we finish up, um, there's always um, questions about how much do people take? Is it safe if the kids yeah. drink too much of it? Is it, you know, can it be dangerous? What what are the sorts of things that we need to be aware of with olive earth extract um, in that regard?
1: Well, it's got a very, very good... Profile of, of toxicity unlike medicines that have a very what they call a narrow therapeutic window you, you don't want to overdose on any medicine whether you're a child or an adult, but especially children So just take it as directed on the bottle or if you're a health practitioner You can get them to take it a little bit higher levels for shorter periods of time and that's fine It's generally regarded as safe. It's it's what they call a grass so it's, It hasn't got that sort of toxicity if you take too much you're in trouble sort of thing So it's pretty good that way
2: Mate, that's fantastic. Thank you very, very much for joining us again today on the Wellness Guys Show. It's been great, Steve.
1: Oh, it's been great chatting again any time.
2: Thanks, mate. Hey, now, everyone, if you're looking to get uh, your hands on some uh, manuka honey or some olive, olive leaf extract, I nearly spat that one out poorly, um, go to convita, comvita.com.au, and you can check it out there. I've got it in the practice. If you're in Victoria, come and get some from me. There's no problems. Um, Brett, I'm sure, will have it in his practice. Um, and I don't know how Lawrence will get it to you. Maybe by post I don't know but you'll be able to get it uh, online anyway so go to au, and if you want to look at the courses that uh, that Stephen's working on go to australis um, education is that right yeah australiseducation.edu.au now while you're online please make sure you go to our facebook page and like us and make sure you tell us what you think of us as well because we love that and if you can tell us uh, what you thought of this episode and share this episode with uh, people that you know and people that you think need a wellness update then please do that subscribe to us on iTunes and while you're there leave us a five star rating you know how much Brett loves those um, I'm, I'm not too partial to them either I like them until next week begin <laughs> creating wellness into your lives lead by example and let's change the world's health together join us next week on the Wellness Guy Show